Hi, thanks for listening to Health Affairs this week. Just as a quick note, please know that this episode contains descriptions of suicide that some listeners may find harmful or disturbing. Hey everyone, welcome back to Health Affairs This Week, where health affairs editors get together and go beyond the headlines on the health policy news of the week. I'm Ellen Bayer. And I'm Kathleen Haddad. So last week, our colleagues Jessica Bylander and Rob Lott talked about healthcare workforce shortages and burnout associated with the pandemic. And today we thought we'd follow up and take a deeper dive on the serious mental health challenges behind that trend. Uh, It's something that often doesn't get the attention it deserves. Uh, There was a headline that caught my attention this week in Politico about CDC staff themselves um, being affected by extreme stress and burnout during these times with all of the long hours that they've been putting in and the tremendous pressures that they're under. Uh, It's really not surprising. The pandemic has taken a toll on, on every segment of the population. Yeah, Ellen, it's really been on the top of my mind uh, for the youth population as the parent of a teenager. Mental health has uh, deteriorated significantly for these kids. They've lost the structure and rhythm of going to school. They've lost social contact and access to school resources that help them cope with adolescence. In fact, several weeks ago, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy issued a lengthy report calling the nation to action. He said the mental, the youth in our country are in a mental health crisis. He gave a few statistics. A third of all high school students report persistent sadness and hopelessness. Half of all females do. He commented on how the kids are facing a climate of pervasive fear, economic instability, and um, forced social distancing from people they love. He also called out the social media segment and uh, described how uh, social media bombards kids with messages about they aren't good enough, they're not smart enough, they're not rich enough. And um, kids hear uh, these messages in the midst of a broader social climate that has showed little progress on major issues around them. And this is the Surgeon General talking, issues like gun violence, climate change, racial injustice, the opioid epidemic. Also, Ellen, I know that the healthcare provider community is suffering as well. What can you tell us about them? Yes, and this is a a group that we're all so dependent on and indebted to and grateful for during these times as they're putting their own lives and health at risk and the health of their families and the consequences of those risks can can be tragic. I'm I'm remembering early in the pandemic, a case in New York City, Dr. Lorna Breen, an emergency room physician, died by suicide in April of 2020 after she had struggled with all of the stress and exhaustion of taking care of COVID patients. And um, just given the culture of stoicism in medicine, just felt that she couldn't reach out for help. Ellen, that was such a tragic case and a, a wake-up call to healthcare providers around the country, that we need to take care of the people who take care of us. I also think it's worth pointing out that during the pandemic, almost a fifth of healthcare workers uh, quit their jobs. And uh, this is according to a morning consult poll, um, even more have thought about quitting. Yeah, it's, it's not surprising, really. Uh, and 
fortunately, there are some bright spots. It's encouraging that some healthcare organizations have recognized the need to take care of the people who are taking care of us. Uh, in 2020, we published a series of articles on rapid response efforts um, for one of these organizations, the New York Health and Hospital System, which is the largest public hospital system in New York City. And one of the papers talked about supporting the mental health of its staff during these times. It's by Eric Way and colleagues, and we'll put the link to it in our in, in the show notes. But the New York Health and Hospital did things like offering individual and group counseling sessions with, uh, with staff who are psychologists, psychiatrists, and social workers. Um, they created a behavioral health hotline and an internet page for staff. They arranged for free childcare and had a fundraising campaign so they could provide meals to staff on their shifts uh, and also groceries that they could take home to their families. Yeah, Ellen, efforts like this are so important, and not only here in the U.S., but around the world in developing countries who are struggling more than we are. Um, in lower-income countries, the pandemic risks are greater. There's fewer vaccines. Um, and Project HOPE, our health, um, health affairs parent organization, is um, also uh, working in this area conducting resiliency training for frontline healthcare workers uh, around the world. The program that uh, Project Hope is using is based on the New York Health and Hospitals program you just described, Ellen. I guess I'd call it a train-the-trainer model. Um, and this program is expanding to five continents. So, um, uh, you know, we're somewhat proud about that. <laughs> Seeing these kind of programs in the private sector has been really encouraging. And there's also been a lot of activity on the federal level. Last spring, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration announced that it would be distributing $3 billion in funding from the American Rescue Plan Act, which is the most money ever provided through the Mental Health and Substance Abuse Block Grant Program to help states and territories address mental health and substance use needs during the pandemic. And in December of 2021, the U.S. House of Representatives passed the Lorna Breen Healthcare Provider Protection Act, which is named for the emergency room doctor I mentioned earlier. And among other things, the bill directs the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to award grants for training of healthcare providers on suicide prevention and other strategies to improve their well-being, and also to establish or expand programs to support the mental health of healthcare providers involved in COVID response. The bill also requires HHS to study and develop recommendations for Congress on policies for improving healthcare professionals' mental health and for preventing burnout. In this bill, a very similar bill also passed the Senate earlier in the year. So now the House and Senate need to reconcile the differences between their two versions before it can be sent to the president. And advocates are hopeful that the process can be finished up this year so it could be signed into law. It also looks like the leadership of the Senate Finance Committee is getting ready to take some new action on mental health issues broadly. Is that right, Kathleen? Yes. On Tuesday, the Surgeon General will testify before the committee to talk about gaps in mental health care for children and teens. He, along with many other um, youth uh, mental health experts, he will talk about the solutions. He's optimistic. He assigns responsibility to every segment of society, not just young people. 
He calls out what schools need to do, along with healthcare providers, the media, social media and video gaming companies, employers, governments, and perhaps most importantly, funders. He calls on all parts of society to address this very serious problem. So when you're talking about challenges for youth, Kathleen, it reminds me of an article that we published in Forefront, previously known as the Health Affairs Blog, in December of 2021. It's called The Kids Are Not All Right, and it's by Vicki Wakino and co-authors, and, and um, we encourage listeners to check it out. We'll, we'll put it, uh, a link to it in our show notes. Yeah, Ellen, I know we just have a few minutes left, but I just uh, wanted to mention another piece that we published in the Health Affairs Journal in January of 2021, takes a 360-degree view of the whole mental health care system uh, and lays out a path for uh, transformative improvement. The piece is by Margarita Allegria, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. It's called Transforming Mental Health and Addiction Services. Well, check it out. Sounds like that's a good place to wrap up for this week. So thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you like this show, please tell a friend and subscribe to Health Affairs This Week wherever you get your podcasts. Bye, Kathleen. Bye, Ellen.